You're listening to Global Conversations. Welcome to the Global Conversations podcast series. My name is Shale Wynn, and today we are joined by Ellie O'Neill, the co-founder and the chief operating officer of Powerwater. Powerwater is a social business based out of the United States and is on a mission to contribute to the fight against the global water crisis. Welcome to the show, Ellie. Thank you so much for making the time. It's a pleasure to have you with us. For our listeners, can you just give us a brief into Powerwater and what it does? Sure. Well, thanks for having me, Shale. First of all, it's a pleasure to be on and uh, excited to talk with you today a little bit about Powerwater and what it is that we're building. Um, some background on Powerwater for your reference is we started a few years ago. Our mission is very simple to empower communities globally with access to safe drinking water. Um, and, and the bottom line is there's a global water crisis occurring we think that the water crisis is going to be one of the biggest issues that we face in our lifetime and we wanted to do something about that um, and there's many many different ways that you can get involved with water we dove in have head first without much experience in the water space at all um, but what we did know is that we wanted to do whatever we did we wanted to do in a sustainable way. We wanted to make an impact in a sustainable way because what we saw was most water projects have a very short shelf life. So in Africa, for example, most water projects, the average shelf life is 18 months. Um, and so what we realized is if we were gonna work in water, we had to have a long-term vision and we had to build projects that actually ran for the long term. So how do you do that? You create incentives, you engage local communities. So Powwater started out by investing into water filtration systems around the world. And we specifically focused in East Africa and South Asia. And we invested in systems, various filtration systems based on what the need in the area is. So for example, in Bangladesh, this is one of the places where we work, we see a very high level of arsenic pollution in the groundwater. Bangladesh does not have any issues with quantity of water. They have plenty of water runoff coming from the Himalaya. The issue is that it's highly contaminated. So what we needed to do there is build a highly effective filtration system so that the water itself would be clean. And the way that we worked was under the microfinance model. So early on, we said, who are the leaders in this space and how can we work with them? And we immediately were drawn to Nobel Peace Laureate Professor Muhammad Yunus. He won the Peace Prize in 06 um, for his work in developing the microfinance concept. And so what we did is we wrote Professor Yunus a letter. We said, hey, here's our, here's our idea. We want to get involved. Here's Powwater. Here's what we're looking to do. And from there, he invited us to the Global Social Business Summit in Wolfsburg, Germany to pitch. And we were brand new at the time, but we went, we gave a pitch. Here's Powwater. Here's what we're looking to do. And we formalized a partnership from there. Um, so we co-invested in the water project in Bangladesh with Professor Yunus under a microfinance model. Effectively, what that is, is we gave a loan to a local entrepreneur there. Our entrepreneur's name is Shaheen Bai. Shaheen built a reverse osmosis water filtration system, and he owns and operates it like a business. So why is this important? It's important because he has ownership, skin in the game, and he wants to see his water system not only sustain itself, but grow over time. So Shaheen hires a local sales force to go and sell the water at an affordable price to his community members. And what that does is it makes sure that the system 
is maintained properly and that it grows over time so that ultimately they might even be able to open up a second plant in another city in Bangladesh. So this is Powwater's history. We've been investing into systems like this for the past two years. Um, and we've actually brought sustainable, safe drinking water to over 80,000 people along the way. Um, so I don't want to uh, spill the beans too quickly on where we're headed now in our newest project, because I'm really excited about it. I know you know, Shale. Um, but it was our work in these investing in these types of projects that brought, we, brought us to where we are today. Um, and it's more exciting than ever. And we just feel deeply, deeply compelled by uh, not only the problem and the need for a solution, but the solution itself that we're building right now and, and the propensity that it has to change the world. Um, so that's like our, our high level background for you. Well, that's, that's fascinating. I was just curious. So you, you mentioned something around um, investing into or basically backing these these projects, uh, water filtration projects in, in the developing world, like you mentioned in Bangladesh. I was, I was wondering, so how do you raise this money to invest in these particular projects? So we had an interesting model. Um, we were a consumer brand. So we sold reusable drinkware. So reusable water bottles, reusable coffee mugs to consumers and businesses in the U.S. This is the quote unquote swag market where businesses will buy products, put their brand and logo on it and give them out to their employees or their clients. It's a massive market in the United States. And we said businesses and consumers in the United States are looking for ways to make an impact. You know, like JP Morgan, I used to work there. They would get all this stuff and give it out to their employees, but they're also looking for ways to tout an impact to say to their employees and clients, hey, we're doing good for the world. So why not combine the two? So we had major, major success selling these products in large volumes to Fortune 500 companies in the U.S. and also to consumers who are, you know, the U.S. consumer is so conscious right now, really, really cares about making an impact and are looking to work with companies that do something good for the world. So we had this really, really powerful story of, hey, here's a great product that also does something good for the world. We sold these products and most of our investments came from channeling the proceeds from those products into the product. Uh, projects themselves. We also have a unique structure because we're legally designated as a public benefit corp. What that means is we're a for-profit company, but we have a dual purpose to also generate impact. So we want to, uh, of course, create value for our shareholders, but at the same time, we want to make an impact along the way. So we, because of that legal structure, we're able to attract grant funding as well. So we were able to attract some grant funding to invest into those water projects as well. So blended financing model, but the consumer brand is definitely a unique element that we thought of early on where we said, hey, let's see if we can engage consumers and businesses in the US and raise some funding through that arm. And we were way more successful than we ever, ever thought we could be by doing that. Awesome. So basically, the idea for Powerwater is to reinvest the profits that it makes from the consumer products or the drinkware that it sells and then reinvest it into these projects across the developing world. Right. And it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily a breakthrough idea. In some ways, there are other models out there. Think Tom's Shoes. But what was important to us is that the impact that we were creating was sustainable, that the water projects themselves could not only keep up, but grow over time. So yes, that's the, that's the model, Shale. It's selling water bottles and then using the proceeds to make an impact. It's very interesting. I also know that the conversation we had a little while earlier, you, you are working on another project in Kenya at the moment, and I'm not sure how much you would want to talk about that right now, but I was wondering if you want to give us a brief on that too. 
because it sounds very interesting. It's a good segue. It's a good segue. So when we were in Bangladesh in January, actually, we were visiting Shaheen, who, as I mentioned, is the entrepreneur who we had invested in. And what we saw was that, that Shaheen was having a hard time scaling his business. He was having a hard time attracting new customers. And we wanted to understand why. So what we did is we spent time in the field speaking with his customers and saying, show us how you order water. And what we noticed is the customers have no information. They have no idea how to tell who are the high quality vendors in the market, what's their cost, and, and a reliable way to order water. So what we saw is a lot of these customers are just going back to the same vendors that they've always used because they have no information or transparency into the marketplace. So if you're a high quality vendor with cost affordable water like Shaheen, you can't get your message across to customers because they have no information about how does Shaheen compare to other vendors in the market. And so what we saw was this is a global trend. There's a massive private water market that exists really in many, many markets across the globe. And, uh, and yet there's no information in this marketplace. So as a consumer, you're, you're left absolutely powerless. And as a vendor, if you're a high quality vendor, you have no way to differentiate yourself. And I just want to take a step back here because for those people like myself who don't understand why the private water market exists, I think that this is a really, really important point. What is the private water market, right? And what we see is as urbanization continues, as climate change continues, there's added stress on municipal water tables, more added stress than ever before. More and more people are pulling water from the groundwater table in places like Bangalore, India, Mexico City, but really every emerging economy around the world where the traditional aquifer is uh, no longer sustainable. There's a vacuum effect. More and more water is being pulled out. And what's happening is as the water is being pulled out, pipes are leaky in nature. And so contaminated water is coming into the pipes and water is contaminated in several ways. You see wastewater that's coming into the pipes. You see contaminated surface water. And in places like where I am right now, Mombasa, Kenya, which is on the coast, you see salt water coming in. Um, so the water here in Mombasa is very brackish because of it's salty. Um, and so what's happened is people can't rely on drinking the tap water. It's contaminated, it's unhealthy. And so the private water market has sprung up to fill this gap. But the private water market is extremely fragmented. Most of these problems have, have occurred in the last 10 years. In Mombasa, 10 years ago, 72% of the population had access to some semblance of drinking water via the municipality. That number today is 43%. So drastically, these problems have started to occur. And what we see is because this problem has arisen so quickly, the private water market also has risen really quickly with vendors popping up here, vendors popping up there. There are so many of them across the city and there's absolute fragmentation, right? It's like, it's not very hard to set up a water business. Um, and because there's no transparency in the market, there's no pressure on these vendors to sell high quality water, to filter the water properly or to sell it at a proper price during times of drought. Um, there's exploitative pricing, customer might order water, the water doesn't show up for hours. It's a completely, completely fragmented market that leaves the consumer powerless. And so that's why we wanted to step in and say, hey, this is a huge, huge problem. And there's, there's no one that's regulating this market because from the governance perspective, it's very hard to regulate this market. But at the same time, technology can solve this problem because what does technology do? Technology creates transparency. Um, and so that's why we wanted to come in shale and create a technology solution to empower consumers and to empower 
high quality vendors to reach more customers through transparency. So those definitely are problems that need to be solved. But I was wondering, so is it an aggregator that will allow you to connect consumers to sellers or vendors? Is it more like a Instacart for water or is it more like an Uber for water? It's a good question. So what is our solution, right? It's, it's kind of both. Think Uber, think Airbnb, but for water. So the important thing to note is I said we're in Mombasa right now, right? There's 1,500 private water vendors here. And we actually suspect that there's another 1,000, 1,500 who aren't regulated. So the 1,500 are regulated vendors. We're not going to onboard every vendor in Mombasa on this app. The only vendors that we're onboarding are the likes of Shaheen, the vendors that are super high quality that we've vetted and verified. Those vendors can create their own profile, much like any host on Airbnb creates their own profile. They share information on their water quality, their pricing, their filtration process. And then as a user, you get to go on, you create your own profile, you share your location, and you can order water to your doorstep. So in that sense, it's very similar to Uber, where at the click of a button, you can order something, you can track the delivery to your doorstep. And so the underlying premise is on the consumer side, creating a more affordable and transparent buying experience, being able to track delivery and therefore save time, less time sitting around waiting, you know exactly when the water is going to arrive and being able to see most importantly, what is the quality of this water? Because today consumers have no way of knowing, um, is this water quality? And what we see in the market is even if vendors are sealing the bottles, that water still might not be quality. And the consumer just has to assume that it is. So that's the problem and the solution for the consumer. On the vendor side, what does this do? On the vendor side, this allows high quality vendors to reach more customers than ever before, because here's an opportunity for them to expand their customer reach through route optimization. What we can do is enhance routes, right? Vendors right now are maybe delivering water, but they're going from point A across the city to point B, sitting in traffic all day, burning excess patrol, spending more money on gas. What we can do is make their routes more efficient. So they're for their existing customers, they're reaching more customers through route optimization, but then they also have the ability to reach more customers through extended reach of customers on the app, being able to see, okay, customers are coming onto this app because they are assured that it's high quality water. And these vendors are able to sell water to those customers for the first time ever. So it's a two-sided marketplace. There's benefit to both the consumer and the vendor, and it aggregates on both sides and streamlines efficiencies to make this marketplace much more transparent and reliable than it ever has been before. I'm also curious to know, what are the other markets that you see as a obvious fit for this particular product, apart from Kenya, which is where you're launching your pilot? good question. So right now, what is our goal? Our goal is to show a proof of concept here in Mombasa. As I said, Mombasa is kind of the perfect textbook test market because the water problem here is so big. And that's largely because of saltwater intrusion. So one thing I haven't mentioned yet is that we received a grant from the Gates Foundation for our pilot project. That's a highly, highly selective process. So 5,000 social enterprises applied and they selected 50. And they basically say, here are the 50 ideas that we 
we think have the propensity to change the world, but now go out and show a successful proof of concept. And then once you've shown a successful proof of concept, come back to us and you can apply for what's called phase two funding. Phase two funding um, is a much larger grant and that gives you the ability to enter new markets. So where we are right now is trying to show, hey, this is something that can work in Mombasa. But then the beauty is if we're successful in doing so, Shale, there are so many markets that are ripe for this type of technology. Nairobi is the obvious next step because it's the largest city in Kenya, high rate of tech penetration there. A lot of startups are being piloted in Nairobi and then scaled out across East Africa and beyond. So our hope would be to be in Nairobi by the end of next year. But then beyond that, we've built out our list of potential targets and it it goes on and on. So we could look at Dar es Salaam in Tanzania. We could look at Kigali in Rwanda. We look at Nigeria. We look at Ghana. We look at South Africa. There are so many markets across Africa that have this problem. And then I mentioned this earlier, but we wanted to pilot this in India originally. India has one of the largest private water markets in the world. And of course, as you know, better than better than I know, a high rate of uh, tech penetration in India as well. Um, so we would love to enter India. We'd love to enter South Asia as a whole. We'd love to work in Bangladesh. We've worked there from our genesis. But just taking a step back, right? Like, why is there so much opportunity for this technology? And it's because as these problems with urbanization and climate change continue, it's not just emerging markets that are going to have these problems and have private water markets emerge. You look at places like London, Los Angeles. These are places that have major, major issues with water that in the next 10, 20 years are not going to be able to sustain their populations through traditional aquifers that they've traditionally relied on. And so what's going to happen is if you're in Los Angeles and you can't turn your tap on, what are you going to do? You're going to have to find another way to get water. And that's when the private water market will start to emerge in these places. So long term, we see so much opportunity across the globe in places like Los Angeles and London, who might not have a private water market now, but the reality is down the line, they will. So to answer your question in summary, I think Africa is where we have our headset now. There are so many markets that we can enter here, and there's so much opportunity here alone. 67% of Africa does not have access to piped water in their home. That's a very, very, very large number. But the bottom line and what gives us optimism for this technology is that there's opportunity across the globe as well. So it's really ours to find. Speaking off of that and speaking of a more macro perspective, and I believe you are aptly positioned to answer this question given how much research you and your team must have been through before launching a pilot in Kenya. I was hoping if you could speak to how truly big is the water crisis globally and what are some of the biggest challenges that these countries and communities with water crisis face? Yeah, that's a great question. That's a great question. And I think I mentioned earlier on the call, we at Powwater are under a belief that that the water crisis is one of the largest issues that our generation will face in our lifetime. And it's for so many reasons, including climate change, including urbanization. The bottom line is the traditional sources for water that we've relied on for so long and arguably that we've taken for granted are not sustainable. We can't continue to pull from the same reservoir day after day in places like Los Angeles or from the Colorado River, which is supplying water to the majority of the Western United States. 
States because over time, that's not sustainable. And so when you look at it from that outlook, Shale, it's a little bit depressing. But what gives me hope is the number of social enterprises, innovators, PhDs who've gotten behind this problem and who understand the severity of this problem and who are looking for innovative solutions. Because the bottom line is that a majority of our planet is made of water. And so it's not like water doesn't exist. We just need to find innovative ways to extract it in its purest form. And so I'm not just talking about desalination. I think there's a lot of potential for it. I think there's a lot that still needs to be learned about it. There's a lot of efficiencies that need to be gained from desalination. There's a lot of energy that's currently expended along the way. There's a lot of waste. So I think there's a lot of work that needs to be done there, but it can be done. And that's the good news. But there's a lot of other interesting solutions too. You know, there's different types of innovators right now who are looking at how can we extract water from the air, right? Like here in Mombasa, there's 90% humidity, there's plenty of water in the air. And there's a lot of really creative ways that people are looking to pull water and extract water so that we don't have to rely on those traditional systems that we've always relied on. And frankly, that's what we're trying to do at Powell Water as well, right? There's so much stress coming from pulling water through pipes from one avenue. And we're saying, look, it doesn't need to be like that. You don't need to have that stress on one particular area of a city. In fact, it's more sustainable if you can pull from decentralized sources and create a delivery network that's flexible, that's resilient, that doesn't rely on just one part of a city, but that can pull water from decentralized sources around the city. Um, And that type of sustainable work in water is what's going to make these urban water tables last longer and allow us to create more sustainable and innovative and flexible solutions so that we can actually deal with the water crisis at hand and sort of deal with it in a more sustainable sustainable way over time versus the way that cities have traditionally looked at just pulling water from the same exact place in the ground year over year. So Ellie, I was also curious, what are some of the biggest challenges that you uh, with this particular product are hoping to solve in these countries and communities? What is the macro level impact that Pow Water with this particular product is hoping to create? Great question, Shale. And, and Pow Water is an impact-driven business. We always have been. We always will be. Water is life, right? What can you do without water? Nothing. So water is the foundation for quality of life. And that's what motivates me is without water, what do you have? And so if you have water, well, then you can move on to so many secondary and tertiary issues. But without water, you spend your whole day looking to get water. And in these communities where it's so prevalent, where you turn on the tap, the tap doesn't run. Well, you can't go to work. You have to start your day by searching for water. This problem unproportionately falls on women. There's a huge problem with gender equality that's associated with water. There's a huge problem with economic opportunity that's associated with water because it might not come as a surprise that the people who have unreliable supply of tap water are those who fall at the bottom of the pyramid. And there's a huge problem with good health, health and well-being. Here in Mombasa, there are regular cholera outbreaks in the city that come through the tap water. These are major, major issues, public health, economic opportunity, gender equality. So water is an issue, but it stems to so many other issues at the same time. And what brings me hope is by creating transparency around quality, creating transparency around price, and by creating an easy way for people to get these this type of affordable and high quality water to their doorstep, well, then people can go on and do and do much more productive things with their life, right? They can go to work, their kids can go to school, they can drink the water and be healthy. Um, all these added benefits that come from just creating that very, very simple 
pure foundation for people to actually go out and have a quality life. And so it's very simple. I don't think I need to explain the impact much further than that because it's foundational um, and it's inherent to what we need to live a healthy and happy and productive life. Thank you so much, Ali. One final question. How can somebody wanting to support or connect with Powerwater reach out to you guys? I love that question, Shale. Thank you so much. And the bottom line is we're a very transparent, open business. We're a startup and we have people reach out to us all the time who are strangers who have, are interested in what we're doing. And the bottom line is there's always ways that people can help. So I would encourage anyone who's interested in what we're doing to reach out. My email is very simple. It's ellie at powwater.com. Ellie is E-L-L-I-E. Um, and it's really interesting. You never know where a conversation can go. I think that's how you and I met Shale. We met one another virtually and, and it's proceeded to many, many interesting conversations between us in that time. So I would really, really encourage anyone who's interested to learn more about what we're doing to reach out to me. I would love to have a conversation. I would love any help that we could get. We're also raising capital right now. So we're speaking to impact investors around the globe. So if anyone is interested in discussing from an impact lens, what that looks like, an investment lens, what that looks like, we would love to have that conversation as well. The bottom line is we're an open book. We think what we're building is really exciting. And, and our motto is, you know what you know, you know what you don't know, but you don't know what you don't know. There's a lot of unknown unknowns in this world. We're not heroes. We know that we don't know everything. And so the more people we get on our side, the better. Um, and that's really the way that we're looking at this. So I appreciate that question, Shale. Uh, we're open, we're open line of communication and we're really looking to have conversations with anyone. So I would love to speak with anyone who's interested in what we're doing. Thank you so much, Ellie. Again, I'm extremely grateful for you for making the time for us. And I wish you all the very best with the mission that you're on. Thank you so much, Shale. It was a pleasure. I really appreciate you having me and I look forward to chatting soon.